Hi, I'm TJ Shevlin, Senior Content Coordinator at Upper Deck. And hi, I'm Joe Sorensen, Associate Product Manager for Entertainment at Upper Deck. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the Marvel Card, Card Collectors, Collectors Podcast. Ow! Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness. We've got a real treat for you this week, folks, as well as the normal crew of Wesley. Hello. Jason. Hello. Keith. What's up? Uh, Josh, you're down at the bottom there. Hey, what's up? We have, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say your full names now because it comes up on email, Joseph Sorensen and Fancy. Thomas Shevlin, otherwise known as TJ and Joe from Upper Deck. How are you guys? Hello, everybody. Thank you for having us. Hello. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Uh, so, uh, TJ, what's the J stand for? Just because I'm curious now. Uh, James. James. So, okay. Uh, All right. D- d- my d- mother didn't want me to be Thomas James Shevlin Jr. So, TJ is where we ended. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, so, uh, uh, welcome, guys. So, what what do you guys do at Upper Deck? And I don't know. I'm going to pick on Joe first because you're in the middle there. Okay. Uh, Well, I am the associate product manager for our entertainment trading cards. Uh, So I'm not stuck under one particular licensor. It's basically whomever we're working with, whatever needs to be done. That is essentially, in a nutshell, who I am and what I do up here. Cool. TJ? I'm the senior content coordinator. So uh, all of the things my teachers told me in school that were going to be useless (laughs) when I'm an adult are now useful when I'm an adult. So <laughs> long division still eludes me, but, uh, you know, first appearances and greatest battles are now totally my jam. Cool. I love it. I love it. It's always good when you can turn your hobby into your, your career. Um, <laughs> I understand that's probably the best thing. So um, tell us a little bit, um, I'm, and TJ, as you were the last person to speak, I'm going to go with you first. Tell us how you got to Upper Deck and what your kind of background is, because I'm always curious to hear about you know, people up a deck as well as the product. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm born and raised in New York City. Uh, grew up right in the heart of the Marvel Universe and million and two comic shops all around me growing up as a kid. So, uh, you know, I was eventually going to fall into it. As a kid, it was all uh, comic books, trading cards, action figures. And that all kind of led to my first comic book shop job. Uh, which eventually led to me working for IDW Publishing for about four years. Uh, now um, I teach comic book writing at a nonprofit comic book studio. I work on Marvel characters all day here. And last year I was a uh, 2023 Eisner Awards judge. So my hands are kind of all around uh, comic books. So <laughs> it's what I love and I get to have more of an impact uh on characters that I love doing what I do here, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to talk about that comic book job because I, I had a little um, – I can't remember how I found it now. I think I might have found it on your LinkedIn. I peeped your LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And there was a link there to your article about St. Mark's Comics. Yes. Which I, I always for... used to go to when I was oh, in Oh, thank New York. you. So I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, because I went through a phase – um about i mean it's not, nothing to you like keith you live you know outside new you'll probably go in like every other week but mm-hmm. you know for, for me being in england you know it's quite quite a 
quite a big trip. Um, but I went oh. for a phase ago and they're like two, three times a year throughout the North season into the early teens. And I'd always go to Midtown. I'd always go to Jim Hanley's. I'd always go to Mark um, and um, Forbidden Planet as well because the different to the one in the UK. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Around. So I'm absolutely certain that I probably would have met you on one of those trips. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I probably put comics in your hands and talked to you. I expect so. so. Yeah, I, I love it. So. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I, to, I remember going diving into the, 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 the stacks at the back. Oh, the, yeah. The Our dollar boxes, 50 cent yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah they're, uh, it was great. Yeah, I shopped there as a kid and then worked there for eight, nine years. And that was what kind of propelled mm. me getting into the publishing side of the industry. Well, there you go, kids. It's it's not a it's not a career dead end working in a comic shop as as as, not as at TJ all. proves. Um, it's gone now, has, though, hasn't it? I think that's the article I saw. I hadn't realised it closed down. But it rose, uh, much like Jean Grey. It uh, risen from the ashes. Now they're out in uh, Industry City in Brooklyn. Oh, it's the oh, really? same same team. Everybody's all there, uh, and you know they're harder to kill than a cockroach on steroids. Wow. Okay. You've you've paused. Has he paused for everyone or just me? No. Where's he gone? Oh. 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 He's coming I back. Have he's eyes moved. on him. He's he's still here. He's yes. moved. He's I moved down to the bottom him. of my screen. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's I, he was talking about cockroaches and then he suddenly vanished. I think the cockroaches, <laughs> I think the cockroaches bit through his power cable. Um, but while he's coming back, Joe, t- tell us how how you arrived at Upper Deck. What's your what's your origin story, sir? Well, my origin story. Uh... I always like to joke that I have a villain origin story, but I'm just kidding. Uh, I would love one, but no, uh, all jokes aside, uh, uh, grew up in a larger family in the eighties, uh, began collecting trading cards and Marvel comics in the late eighties. Um, you know, having four brothers, uh, my eldest brothers would usually call dibs on certain titles. And so we couldn't collect the best. He had to collect the best. And so we could borrow and read when we had a chance uh, there came a time, though, that um, fortunately for us, a comic shop went in right next door and, and that lasted for about two years. And so uh, I used to run around the neighborhood and and sweep driveways for extra money and, and clean yards for extra money. And I'd go straight to the comic shop, either, you know, whatever I could afford, whether it's a new comic or two, whether it's a new pack of Marvel cards or two. Um, but I've been uh, involved in the collector community um, over 30 years, uh, trading cards, action figures, comic books. Um, I, I very, very enthralled in the, the whole pop culture side of things, uh, when it comes to Marvel comics. Um, however, collectively, my brothers and I, uh, once, uh, a certain group of, uh, people left Marvel and went off to form image, uh, we kind of followed as collectors. So we there were still titles in Marvel, but we expanded. We started collecting Image, Valiant, Dark Horse. So that kind of opened up the scope of just how big this industry really is. And it was all basically about storytelling. And it was just a way to kind of escape reality. Let's just, you know, dive in, immerse ourselves. And we found it something we really enjoyed. Nice. Nice. And then you end up, so how long have you guys been at Upper Deck? Uh, well, I, I myself, actually, TJ and I, we started one week apart from each other. Uh, yeah. We have both been Ooh. here for just under two years. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, and just to kind of fill in that extra gap, 
is I was uh, creating a mystery pack product, a sports mystery pack product uh, at the time that I applied for Upper Deck. And during the interview, I was running through some of what I had built and created. And to the surprise of the gentleman interviewing me, they said, oh, well, that's a build sheet. We do that here. And like, you've already have experience with this. And, and you know, that that's great. Kind of gave me a leg up on the competition. Um, being knowledgeable on Marvel Comics and trading cards, both industries, I think with that kind of got me in here. But I'll jump back to TJ now. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than, I mean, yeah. We've been here, what, year and a half now? I'm Actually, we're hitting two years in a couple months, and, uh, I mean, it's been pretty great. I mean, we're working all the characters we love and working on content that we love and working with rad people. So, And you're still there. And uh, I can see, I see all these figures lined up on your desk there. Oh, <laughs> gosh, my fans. desk is, yeah, <laughs> my, my desk is insane at one point. I'm, oh. I mean, it is. Oh, there you oh go. my goodness. There oh, we go. For those on audio, it's, all... it's a video. <laughs> it's definitely a magnet in the office. If anybody is wow. brand new or walks by or walks past, it's, it, I mean, TJ oh. is magnetic to begin <laughs> yes. with. However, his workspace is also. If, if you come it's... in of a morning and something has moved or is missing, do you know straight away? Uh, typically, yes. There was a point where there's a mystery person around here who was turning figures the opposite way <laughs> so i'm still trying to figure out who that was so that that is uh definitely uh a scooby-doo level mystery around here but um <laughs> no it's it's cool i mean it, it's nice when we have visitors as well because i want them um to see that we're not just people who make product we're people who yeah. are collectors we love this stuff it gets people really excited to talk about it we had a halloween here and a bunch of the staff all brought their kids in to trick-or-treat at everybody's workstations so everybody had like a bucket of candy and i think more kids were excited to see the toys and superheroes and all that than they were to get candy so it's fun (laughs) nice nice okay well halloween we've just done flare ultra midnight suns and that's not what we're talking about today um we are going to talk today about another FLIR product that Grant mentioned when he came on the show in, oh my goodness, October now, I want to say. I think it was October. Anyway, it was last year. Um, FLIR Throwbacks 1989 Marvel Edition Trading Cards. So what can you tell us about this, guys? Um, because it sounded fantastic, and Grant gave us a little bit of information, but let's assume Grant told us nothing. <laughs> Why should we be excited about this set, and when does it come out? Great question. So um, this is the first iteration of a brand-new brand, uh, FLIR Throwbacks. Um, owning the FLIR brand uh, under the Upper Deck umbrella, we have access to just all this iconic designs, uh, imagery. So we felt, you know, why not let's do something with that. And so we decided on the year 1989, because not only is it the first year, the year that Upper Deck was um, a company, um, but it was nearing the end of a decade long iconic FLIR designs in, in all of their brands. Um, but a third reason is that it's kind of right on that bordering, you know, right when Marvel Comics started picking up a lot of steam and right before it actually began to blow up in the early 90s, 
uh, we do feel that this was kind of a sweet spot and it made sense for a couple different reasons. Um, so that's essentially a little bit about the product, but to really drive it home, it's essentially what if FLIR created a Marvel publishing product in 1989? What would that look like? How can we make that work? And again, with it being a FLIR throwbacks brand, the theme is we're going to pick up old designs. So instead of saying, what would a 1989 product look like for Marvel publishing? Well, we're not recreating everything. We're just, we're finding a sweet spot, finding something that works thematically, and we're just rolling with it. Nice. You know, Joe said it best. Sweet spot is 100% the way I would describe this product, uh, especially because um, whenever we think about the period of Marvel that all of us within our age range kind of fell in love with, you immediately think 1990, 1991, but 1989 to me spiritually is closer to 90 and 91 than it is to anything uh 84 85 86 so on and so on so this gives us the opportunity to do you know the beginnings of mcfarland spider-man or john Byrne she-hulk and you know sylvester x-men and it's yeah. just the it's the coolest you know yeah yeah it's a nice period um so what um i understand it's an epac release exclusive that's correct release that's correct so when's uh, it when's it dropping so uh, we have uh, it scheduled to release on Wednesday, February 21st. So essentially, right around the corner. We're real excited for this. Right. So what can you tell us about the um, set construction, set design? What can people expect? Absolutely. Um, so this product will be a, a three-card pack. Of those three cards, you will receive two digital base set cards and one chase card. And that one chase card could either be a base set parallel, one of the inserts, or a sketch card. So we do have sketch cards in this product. Um, it, Like I said, a three card pack, there will be 15 packs per box, there will be 12 boxes per case. Um, trying to stick with the theme of 1989, we wanted to be careful not to include any technology that we didn't see in 1989. So there isn't a lot of flashiness in the product. We're staying true to the year. We're staying true to the period. Um, you know, we have some UV gloss, but we also have a lot of serial numbered um, parallels of the base set. And I will say the base set is character based. So, you know, these will be character cards paralleling out. We're not doing, you know, in certain products we might in the base set retell a story. There is no story to retell in this product. These are all character cards. And we feel it's going to be a lot of fun. We've even built out a, a very achievable uh, achievement program uh, that I believe anybody, any collector could make their way through. They can stop whenever they choose to. Um, but one of our biggest draws is our sketch cards will be packed out. However, we're setting aside a few sketch cards with a whole different design as the main achievement prize. So we, we feel we have a, a real good enticing product. They'll have people coming in and coming back to try to achieve some of these sketch cards or even to pull a sketch card. However, we do have serial numbered character parallels uh, to 489, which matches the 89 theme, 289, 89, 25, and then the lowest serial numbered card will be to five. So we actually have a, a rainbow of colors for these parallels. And we are going with the famous 1989 Fleer baseball design that many people remember the Ken Griffey Jr. card being on. 
a lot of other people remember the Billy Ripken card. So this is what you can expect. It's that pinstripe gray background. Um, when it comes to these rainbow parallels, that gray background will flop out, flip out for these other colors of the rainbow. Um, but we're allowing our collector to collect the entire rainbow. We have character collectors. We have set collectors. We tried to kind of nail it for anybody essentially this is it's not a top level product it's it's affordable um you know i would say it's more of the mid-end type of thing um but essentially as far as structure is concerned that is that is kind of a, a real you know glazed over kind of explanation but as far as the content inside as far as that is concerned tj would you mind uh shedding some light of who specifically we can anticipate to see in this set yeah, I mean, first, I guess I should uh, make sure that you guys know now there won't be any secret messages on baseball bats in, in anywhere in the set. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Uh, I, I know we just lost a huge chunk of the fan base. Um, what's really exciting about putting together a product like uh, Fleer Throwback 1989 specifically is uh, when you look at that period for Marvel Publishing, Whoever your favorite character is, is going to end up being in this set if they were around in that period, hero or villain. And there was a lot of really, really cool stuff. By um, the late 80s, the X-Men books were really changing in a way where you could see there was this even greater future that was going to happen, even if you didn't like know what that was going to be. So... Um, you know, if your favorite book was Uncanny X-Men, if it was X-Factor or it was Excalibur, all of that is represented in there, mm -hmm. um, which is just so much fun. Because when I think, for me, when I think Excalibur, first thing I think is Alan Davis. I always think just his his uh, Shadow Cat, his Captain Britain, his Phoenix, the way they all look there. So getting to see them on cards for me is amazing. I brought up John Byrne's She-Hulk before, and she was breaking fourth walls before Deadpool was an apple in anybody's eye. And so Absolutely. getting to do stuff with that is really cool. Um, obviously, McFarlane, Spider-Man and, you know, John Romita Jr., Daredevil, just all of that stuff is so uh, cool and exciting. Walter Simonson, X-Factor. So, you know, Archangel and Beast and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's just every book at that point was just different. And it was cool. I mean... Avengers was a B book in 1989. Avengers West Coast was the A book. So we get to really lean into that on this too. So um, I don't want to give away too much if every, if people are more excited about, you know, ripping open a pack and seeing who's going to be in there. But I mean, all of you guys, if you have a favorite character from that period, they're in this. Awesome. And if, if I may, just, uh, you know, as TJ mentioned, brought up Deadpool, I did kind of want to drive home that, um, Again, we're, we're sticking to 89, so certain characters who were not around before or at that time will not be included in the product. We are also very careful that we are choosing images from that year. So the entire look, oh. the, the look of the character will 100% be that dated time period. Just jotted it down, actually. Where, you know, where, when were the images going to be coming from? So yeah. I was I was super super specific about that. Mostly, uh, well, really, completely because um, for me, accuracy is everything. I want everything, not just to feel uh, like like we're pulling from that era, but it's like what Joe said in the beginning: the card set itself should feel like it's from that era. 
So, I mean, at that point, you know, yeah, who's who's one of the hottest characters in 1989 is Venom. So, bam, right there. That's the character you're going to think about. Brown costume Wolverine, you're going to think about, um, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch. Everybody loves WandaVision. All of the stuff that WandaVision was pulling from is right here at this period in Avengers West Coast. Mm -hmm. So, it's just, it's fun to be able to play with that uh, component there. I'm just scrolling through a list that Jason, Jason's done homework on this. Jason sent us around a list earlier on of comics that came out in 1989 in, in order of Ooh. their release. I'm just yeah. scrolling through it now. And I'm just like, oh. yeah, I was looking at Mike's amazing newsstand, which is great for uh, looking at what, you know, cover date or release date of comics. And I was going through starting at January and just all these covers. I'm, I'm, I like everybody. I'm more of a Spider-Man guy. So just yeah. the the McFarlane covers and um on oh, Amazing Spider Man were awesome and he also did some really great covers during that time period from Marvel for Marvel Tales as well. Yes, I don't yes. know if that imagery is going to be on the cards, the but he did some X Men and Spider Man on those Marvel Tales that are pretty neat. You know, I love that you brought brought that up, and this was something that I was uh, super excited about because Joe was with me on this one. There is a five-part story in Marvel Comics Presents. I think it's issues 33 through 38, and it's Eric Larson doing an Excalibur story. And that's before Eric Larson was Spider-Man Eric right. Larson. And so I, I know we pulled from some of that, okay. but one of those MCP covers is Todd McFarlane doing Shadowcat. And oh, we 100% nice. used that okay. because the truth is, where else is that going to land in any upper deck set? Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the beauty of doing this was, oh, cool. You want Todd McFarlane doing Shadowcat on a trading card? There you go. Sweet. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and is this going to, um, so when I was looking at it, is this pretty much all, you know, the Marvel superheroes? Because it like in 1989, Marvel was doing... They had the book, the Nom, and some Conan stuff. Um, you know, other kind of titles that I remember seeing, like you know, when I was a kid. Um, yeah, are you going to dive into any of that, or is it all superheroes? Yeah, we we couldn't. Uh, the Nom is a rad book, perfect example of Marvel Marvel's kind of diverse catalog at that time. Right. But like anything, like the Nom, Conan, Transformers, GI right. Joe, all that's off the table. Okay. But yeah, I imagine because it's different licenses, isn't it? With that as well. Yeah. So, you know. Um let me double check though, because I'm going through my uh character list right now just to make sure. Yeah, well, there there was one character I did want to use in this. And while Marvel does own the character, the period we were shooting for we couldn't use, and it was Death's Head. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I knew that was going to get you too, Ian. And, and the mm. reason why I wanted to use Death's Head specifically, he's the only Marvel character that has appeared in the Marvel Universe, in Transformers, and Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to hit that. And I'm pretty sure so, he originated in Marvel UK as well. Marvel UK, mm-hmm. totally. So, yeah. Because I remember he was all over the place when I was growing up. Um, I, I, so cool. I, I just noticed, actually, you've got Mark Spector Moon Knight issue one in 1989. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Moon Knight is all over the place at the moment. Some of those covers are amazing. If that's the cover I'm thinking of, let me just, let me just open it here because um, 
Uh, it's just taking a moment to load because my computer is really, really bad. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I love that. Good. Okay. Um, what's the what's what's the size of the set? How many how many cards are we talking about here? Is it a ninety card, fifty card, two hundred? Uh, so our base set is a thirty card set. Oh, okay. So it's it's achievable, it's collectible, it's completable, uh, without breaking the bank. Um, we also have four different insert sets, and these inserts I didn't touch on before are literally pulled from previous designs as well. There was an old baseball flare design called Superstars. Great, let's throw it in there. We'll make a you know a ten card insert set called Superstars. Uh, there was another design in baseball called For the Record. So we weren't essentially trying to recreate anything. We we kind of wanted to pull what, from what was already done mm. and then just kind of dust it off, see if it works and fit it in. Uh, we wanted everything to be on theme. There's another insert called Exciting Stars, which is an old Fleer uh, card. Uh, we have another insert called Superheroes of Marvel. So each of these four insert sets are going to be a 10-card set. Um, TJ has filled out the checklists it, excellently. I would in my humble opinion, uh, for this entire product. So I will flip it back over to TJ real quick for a bit more information on that. Well, I'm going to say I was able to, like, and, you know, we're all going to compliment each other here. I was able to <laughs> make a checklist as good as we were able to because Joe built what I think is one of the most creatively exciting products that we've done in the year and a half that, that uh, we've been here. And it just it taps into that like lizard brain of nostalgia that all of us have. Yeah. And we all talk about how we want new things, but going back to that old thing still feels really good. It feels really nice as well. Um, I do have to talk about exciting stars real quick. Yeah. Um, out of all of the inserts on this set, exciting stars might be one of my favorites because it was uh, 10 characters that are in there where it's not, it's not necessarily like were they characters that are long lasting and all that, but was it characters that moved the needle in 1989? So I will tell you at least two characters that are on there. And Joe, I hope you don't mind. I don't mind one bit, please. But this to give you guys an idea of how wide a net that we cast on a product like this, where we realistically only get 12 months of stories to work with. Mm. Um, I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys three mm -hmm. instead of two. Um, Jubilee, mm -hmm. Night Thrasher, and Monica Rambo as Captain Marvel. Ooh, so okay. this was a lot of fun to do. Oh, like, okay. I'm I'm a new Warriors kid. I'm I just I grew up loving teen superheroes in general. So getting to put the new Warriors anywhere is you know that's total heartbeat. Uh, wow. Okay. I'm just I'm just I'm still scrolling through the list here, and there's there's so many good. I mean, you've got that entire peak McFarlane era as well, mm -hmm. and you've got. Uh, yeah, Marvel Comics present is just a smorgasbord of, of good stuff right. in that period. Um, you've got that that period of Daredevil as well. Talk to me about what it was like to lean into that like that golden period of Daredevil. Okay, so I'm 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 actually really excited about this. So, um, Anna Senti was my first Daredevil writer as a kid, and it's always hard when you bring her up because the first person everybody thinks of is Frank Miller, mm. and she had this Herculean task 
of following all of that Frank Miller work. And not only does she uh, nail it, she completely sticks the landing. But the coolest part, it's all the Mephisto stuff in there. Mm. You get that really cool John Romita Jr., you know, gnarly demon tongue looking Mephisto. And you've got um, at that period, it's Anacente is doing this really cool stuff where Mephisto is all, you know, ticked off at Daredevil because he's wearing Mephisto's colors, but he's doing the work of the just. And it's just complex storytelling that nobody else was doing. And, And that level of storytelling that you always get on a good Daredevil run, no matter who it is. And so for us to not just get to use Daredevil in the set, we got to use Mephisto because of all of that. And Mephisto is a character that we're not always um, granted access to. So being able to use him on this specifically because of how important he was to Daredevil during that period because of Inferno and all the stuff mm-hmm. that was going on. I, I mean, like Joe basically saw me doing cartwheels because we were able to use that stuff. TJ loves Daredevil, by the way. But yes, and I, yes. <laughs> what's not to like right um cool um jason or 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 any of you guys what what are you hoping is going to be in here that we haven't heard of yet if you think back to the stuff that you've read from that period i guess any silver surfer look at that face it's <laughs> uh, giving us the eyebrows. It's giving us the eyebrows. Look at this. It's it's the Millhouse eyebrows, right? Um, <laughs> late late '80s Silver Surfer is so rad. All that cool, like Steve Englehart stuff. So, uh, yes, certainly. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. See, we're going to gradually weed it Absolutely. out. At the end of this episode, we'll have a checklist, even though they won't be in any order. <laughs> <laughs> this, is like, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, <laughs> Wesley, for, for, sorry, you were about to jump in. No, I was going to say, for me, it was like, I always got excited when I knew a big, a new event was coming up, like, you know, Secret Wars 2, or I think this was maybe towards the end of Inferno. Um, was there any events, any Inferno stuff that uh inspired any of this well that's a that's a great question um for this particular product uh it not so much the storylines you know we have uh, a brand called allegiance uh in-house here upper deck that is focusing on storylines i would have loved to um but i was told you know keep it what it is don't don't stray don't don't venture um but unfortunately I don't believe there's any TJ might be able to uh, speak on this a bit more, but I think it's just the characters. We're not necessarily calling attention to storylines during that time. Sure. So while that's true, I was still able to allow the allow um, storylines that were happening at, at that time to kind of be a North star to the way I was choosing characters. So by about, I just want to make sure that my Kung Fu is correct here. Cause sometimes even I forget. Um, Kung Fu. Marvel. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yes, I was able to. That that was. So Acts of Vengeance mm-hmm. was a big was a big one that was going on at the time. And while there are some characters in Acts of Vengeance that we don't have access to at the moment, 
there were others that I was able to use. So um, that was kind of cool. Like Kingpin, obviously, I was able to use Magneto. And I can tell you for sure there's that, Mac that McFarlane Amazing Spidey cover with Magneto. Um, I believe oh, yeah. we used an image of Magneto. Uh, we used the image of him from that. Um, there are, I will tell you guys, there are characters that you're going to feel like, oh, they, they kind of got left out or maybe we missed out on them. Um, I kind of feel like overall in regards to storylines that were happening at the time, I think we tried to hit as many heavy hitters as we were able to. I think I was mostly asking because I wanted to see if uh, there was, you know, Madeline Pryor had that outfit that she wore during that, <laughs> that time. <laughs> oh boy. I, I, I can, I can tell you right now that was that, <laughs> That outfit for sure was going to be a hard no. <laughs> yeah, we, we, have, we have to pass guess, things through approvals, but yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I, I was going to ask Joe, is there a set that you guys have done recently from a production standpoint that reminds you of this that's that feels similar? That's a great question. Um, you know, this this isn't. This isn't built to be a, a large product, um, you know, with the 30 card base set, four insert sets and sketch cards. Um, it, it's relatively a, a smaller build, a smaller product, comparatively speaking. Um, it's still a core product, but it's one of our smaller core products. Um, that's a great question. Um, I'm sure aspects of this product have have reminded me of others, but there has really been this... Um, this idea to just keep this its own thing don't stray don't venture um, but that's not to say that nothing would ever not remind us of other products i would say i would say yes um specific examples i don't know if i actually have any at the moment but we tried to you know pull in you know this rainbow parallel like so for instance you know we do parallel character cards and other sets uh we have parallel base sets in the past we are straying away from that uh as grant uh, ian you might remember as grant mentions you know nobody wants a blood gurgling in the alleyway serial number to 10 you know so um but for the sake of um for the sake of did this remind me of other products or other sets maybe a component in the way that when we're paralleling out these character cards we we have you know uh, un serial numbered ratioed uh parallel cards that you can see more frequently but then we also have these serial numbered parallel cards as well at this point uh, because you mentioned the the parallels i am contractually obligated obligated to say the words aunt may bong card spider-man <laughs> metal universe and we will we will just leave that one there oh boy um, oh. <clears> the <throat> doctor ever... strange covid <laughs> the covid strange yeah. yeah it's the graspy hand in front of black widow anyway yeah. anyway sorry um I'm, I'm going way off piste um cable new mutants 87 yeah i mean i mean come on what's not to like about 1989 from that point of view um and what else am i looking at here i'm looking at i'm trying to find the um so that um monica rambeau it's captain marvel was that yes. the spider-man annual yes uh I had her on the cover spider-man Spider annual now? 26 I yeah think somewhere is. around there Amazing Spidey Annual 26. Yeah. But that's, um, but by 1989, Monica, 
she had just gotten a one shot. Ah. Uh, um, yeah, she had just gotten her first one shot. Or, um, yes, yes, it, it wasn't a miniseries. It was a, it was a one shot that they had done, and I thought it was. Uh, looking back on it, it was really nice to see her kind of go from, um, kind of a legacy character who takes over this name that almost you know seems to be shared by everybody at this point. Um, for her to become at one point the leader of the Avengers, even while Captain America is on the team to end up getting pivoted over here. And for me, like I, I love Carol Danvers. She's, she's great. But when I think of Carol, I, I immediately think the Warbird costume first. When I think of Captain Marvel beyond Marvel, I always think Monica. So again, this was another spot. This was another uh, set where we could, uh, put a character in there where there's no confusion on who it is. Mm. She is 100% Captain Marvel. And that, I don't know, that just kind of made me excited to be able to do that. Yeah, good. Well, it kind of, it does anchor it very much in that period as well, mm-hmm. which I guess is, is, is kind of the idea. You know, it reminds me a little bit from what you've said, and I know obviously this is a very different product. It reminds me a little bit of Marvel Ages in a way, because that kind of had its own, that, that stood alone. I mean, it was a, bonkers size set um yeah that had a very you know had that heritage stock um on there it had the different you know it kept it fairly clean it was character based um you had the decades which were just astonishing petition please to bring them back as their own thing (laughs) (laughs) um but um it kind of it kind of reminds me of that um one of the other things i will say is that you must have kept it pretty tight because usually with sketch cards the stock leaks and people see it out there. I, yes. I don't know about you guys. I've not seen a thing. So I, I know I know that the, the secondary market right now, there's a bit of turmoil with the uh, sketch cards, with APs and, and other things of that nature. Um, oh, yeah. Were they actually packed out? Were they actually, you know, artists that were contracted for the product? Did it, um, we have, we have been trying to kind of keep it close to the chest. Um, that's not to say that it, it it won't leak. Uh, we only we can only control what we can control. Um, you know there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, we have tried to reel back like who actually has access to things like this. Um, but I'm I'm just happy to hear that these haven't leaked just yet. Um, but they are they're beautiful sketch cards. And a little bit more about the achievement sketch card is that it's actually picking up that 1989 Fleer design. So we will have that border on the achievement sketch card with an actual character in there. And Wesley, I, I apologize because your question before, does it remind you of anything other product? And Ian, you brought that up too. Um, I guess we can kind of say in a way about, in a roundabout way that this could be similar to like an annual or something of the 1989 year. So um, yeah, in a, in a way, in a way, but we're not, we're not necessarily fitting to the structure um, of annual for, so to speak, but um, in a way this, this kind of does. So yes. Gotcha. Kind of remind me. And you mentioned the parallels for the base cards. Will the four inserts have um, parallels as well? Great question, Jason. They will not. Uh, okay. The only parallels in this product are for the character base set cards. Okay. 
you know what this kind of reminds what I loved about this set? Well, no, I'll tell you what I didn't love about this set first was the weekly release schedule. But apart from that, Marvel Weekly was a tight set. You know, it wasn't too big. It had a lot of really good imagery in there. It had some nice designs. Um, and, you know, the negative um, parallels that you got were pretty cool. And you got some pretty deep yeah you know, the sketch stock on that was pretty cool as well but it wasn't yeah it wasn't a big set it was kind that's of that's right uh we face our own very unique challenges when it comes to the weekly products um i'm unsure if it's contractually obligated but we like to try to please our licensing partners with something on release day something mm -hmm. now we are a long way removed from the days where we could release an entire core product at the time that the movie released we just don't have access to many of the things that we used to have access to which would provide us the opportunity to create something or even to get a head start on something um so with these weekly products it's it's very challenging because we don't have a huge budget for these we don't you know we can't throw the moon at, at this whole product we can't put everything in that we want we also have very limited images we have to work with what was provided to us uh, we just we try to get as much out of very little we receive at that time for those weekly products um, yes they're looking back I, I wish you know certain things might have been done differently or approached differently um, it's essentially just kind of to to wet the mouth, I guess, so to speak, of the collector of, you know, here's the weekly pack. Unfortunately, we don't have a big budget to include, you know, autographs or sketch cards or, or to make those super fancy. Again, we're dealing with deadlines. We're dealing with multiple rounds of approvals. We're dealing with working with whatever we receive, and we can't ask for anything more or different or different next time. It's just essentially what can we build from what we have? Um, and that's that's kind of a little bit more background to our weekly products yeah. so i know they've they kind of you know a lot of collectors will believe that they kind of missed their mark um but me personally for what they were and what we were allowed to do with what we had and for our budget i feel you know we created what we felt we could to the best of our abilities with just every every limited aspect mm. we could possibly have so mm. It's essentially closer to not being a product at all than to have the budget and the components to actually be closer to a core product. So yeah. that's a little bit more explanation. I know it's it was viewed as, um, you know, confusing at first. And, you know, will every product have something like this? We aim to nail most of the, you know, uh, properties that Marvel is releasing. Um but again, not as much focus put into the weekly products as the core products. Um, I wouldn't say that they're looked at as an afterthought. We do put a lot of priority on it. But again, it's like how much blood can you get out of a stone type of thing. So we, we can, we'll do whatever we can to the best of our abilities with what little we have yeah. at that point yeah. of the stage. So we're talking about, so what we were talking about now is we're talking about those little um, MCU preview products like the Spider-Verse one, uh, the Marvels did one, I believe. We were talking about it the other week, weren't we, Jason? Yes. yes. Haven't, you, haven't you got some, I believe? Um, I do. I do. So yeah. Thor had one. Handy, but yeah. The one with Guardians, the Guardians, Thor. The oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so Actually, yeah, I, I mean, you a... make it. You, you you know, you're making a little bit go a long way with those because at, at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff is is, you know, it's just it's just the character images that's released, and a lot of that has to be created anyway, and a lot of that is done very early on. 
but yeah, yeah, I don't have I don't have any of those handy, but the the I did the Spider Verse weekly, and oh, those are oh, there those you go. are real. Yeah, yeah, they're the the foiling on those is just really great. And, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's one of the only things we actually could afford. Uh, we didn't just want to give everyone just a regular you know C two S paper card, um, right. but again, very razor thin margin. So um, you know we we try to learn from whatever we can from the previous release let's apply it moving forward um, as long as we're becoming more efficient and effective in what we're trying to accomplish that should be the direction so um but yes completely agree that yeah i mean for what they are um for the very low level of the product that it is i'm only talking low level as far as price point as far as what's included in the product I, I believe it serves its purpose, but to say that we can always improve, we can always move forward and try to make the next one even better. Well, it means you're hitting the audience that expect a product when the film's coming out, you know, and a lot of those might not necessarily be card people. They might be fans of the movie. You know, Absolutely. Their first card product. Different fans. Um, so it's kind of, you, you're hitting a different audience for that. The people who, who want the set with the achievement build to get the, I don't know, the double um, headline star dual auto, for buying mm. you know and trading and grinding for 36 hours on epac and people do that and you'll probably see a lot more of the data of that than we we we, we experience the reality of it you probably see the data of it um so you know it's nice that you can touch both of those audiences um now when, when i was saying weekly i was thinking about it might have been before you guys started there actually the uh 2019 oh cloak and no marvel weekly the actual the oh. set that was actually called Marvel Weekly that came out over that over that period. Um, there was one that you only did it twice. You did mm. Marvel Weekly 2019 and Marvel Weekly 2020, um, and you'd do you'd, you'd have a, a every week it would come out, and it was your first weekly product on EPAC. Um, and I remember it was it, you needed to have another product in your basket to be able to buy the Marvel Weekly product. Oh wow, and I'm embarrassed because I ventured down the wrong path no, with that response. No, but actually, um, no. I, I, I'm I'm glad we talked about that little Marvel, um, uh, uh, the weekly um, MCU stuff because that's actually you know it's quite cool to to hear about those because because we didn't really talk about those with Grant. Um, but no, the Marvel Weekly ones. I remember at the time um, for ages, Marvel Annual 2016 was on there at two ninety nine, two dollars ninety nine, folks. Those were the days. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> as, as a pack. So you got one of them in your basket. You got one of them in your basket ready. You refreshed. You refreshed. You refreshed. And then at 5 o'clock, well, 5 o'clock UK time, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, um, it would either be smooth sailing or it would be... <laughs> like this. Um, but we made it and you know it was a, it was a it was a fab experience and it was a, it was a it was a great little product but it was a small product that's what i'm saying you you got you know you got your base card and it would be base card and two cc cards which i think was comic clash um a week so you had to buy at least three or four packs to be able to actually have a chance at getting enough cards to fulfill it I see, and, and part of the embarrassment is that I'm actually not as familiar with that product as I should be. Ah, well, there uh, you go. You, the checklists are still on your your your, yeah. your better, <laughs> better website. You're going to have in, a butcher's at it. Yeah. In uh, in '89, uh, Fleur also did uh, basketball too, didn't they? Did 
Did you guys ever think about throwing any like uh basketball inserts too, or did you guys That is a great question, Wesley. So for this product specifically, we only stuck with the baseball designs. That's not to say that we won't ever see another iteration of this product in the future. And that's not to say that we are only sticking to baseball in the future. But based on what I am able to say, it's likely. Okay. Well, let's talk about the future then, because this is a new brand. Okay. That was my yes. question. Yeah. Yes. Well, you go, you go for it, Keith. Well, it seems, it's, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like this is a nice, fun product for collectors to get in and out of, right? They're not going to be bogged down for a while. They'll be able to have a lot of fun with it very quickly. And does that mean that it's going to be a one-off? Or, as you said, is there more that we'll see of similar nature? Could this lead to a 90? Or will there be inspiration from other product, as you've already alluded to, was basically my question. Yes, uh, great question. So, um the, the FLIR Throwbacks brand, with this being the first iteration, we do plan to continue with this brand. We do plan to continue to pick uh, significant years, focus on those. Um, without giving anything much more mm -hmm. away, we do plan to uh, expand the scope for FLIR designs in their properties, in their ownership, not only sticking with baseball, but it's essentially the, the whole creation of this product was what if there was a Marvel publishing product on this old sports design at that time? Mm. How would that be received? How would that be welcomed in the industry at that time? Whatever, but let's let's focus on that. Let's release it nowadays to look like it could have existed back then. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, we're focusing on a particular year, we might know a bit more during uh, the next iteration of this brand. You I'm see. trying to leave it as cryptic as possible. That's where my brain gears start going because I think about I think about later in the nineties. So let let's let's just picture the scene. Picture the scene. Sure, okay. Sure. Um this is a really successful product, goes really well. Okay. And I imagine knowing your lead times, you're probably already knee deep in future iterations should they be coming. Um however, let's just say Okay, for the for this one down the road that we haven't started working on yet, we, we we're going to up your budget a little bit. Mid nineties had some very shiny covers, chromium covers and and the like. I used to collect all of those, oh, all of those. Love it, yes, love it. Um, and uh, and and obviously, so you know, to see something like that recreated with a similar foil effect would be a lovely thing. Um, and while I'm on the wish agree. list, <laughs> Generation X, <laughs> Generation X. <clears throat> Always and forever that. Generation X. Oh, <laughs> Always. Gen X. Yep. I love that book. I still love that book. Yeah. Now I'm a, I'm a little uh, underprepared, but wasn't that a, wasn't that Jim Lee at least before his? Now again, no. that's probably embarrassing. Generation X is Scott uh, Scott Lobdell and Scott Chris Bucklow. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it Thank spins you. out of uh, Phalanx Covenant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You I, got see, it, Ming. I, nice. I I started I started reading that, and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I reread it, which was amazing, years ago, and I still had absolutely no idea what was going on. <laughs> it spills in. It's Chris it's... Bucklow artwork. Yeah, and so I don't care what's going on. Mm, Dude, that's a good there point. is um gosh what is it uncanny so 
Um, to your point with that, one of the things that was really cool about not understanding a damn thing about that book is years later still trying to quantify um, penance and M and M plate and how the three of them are the same and not the same is still wild. And I love that. But um, there is um, an image that Chris Bacolo did when he was on Uncanny X-Men. Uh, was Unca uh, Uncanny X-Men 356, I think it is. And it's the classic five X-Men all as they look at that moment in time. And it's one of my favorite covers. And I think I've used, I was able to use that in Avengers versus, uh, in Allegiance Avengers versus X-Men. Oh. So um, anytime Chris Bacolo artwork can show up anywhere, I'm here for it, man. Yes, I think that chromium cover is a great idea. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Keith, and I agree, Ian, that it is. Um, let's just say that whatever time period we might be choosing, part of the theme here is let's go for the technology and the cards that people could see around that time as well. So if we do end up landing in that zone, I can guarantee that that will be something that we are looking to include. We, we just kind of want to bring like a time capsule, like let's bring the collector back to this time period. So. Oh, bear with me. I've got a call coming in. Yep. It's, it's holograms. They, they there you go. That's back. what I was going there, for. There, there, there they are. <laughs> 1989 <laughs> team sticker holograms from Upper Deck. I remember that. Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> holograms just hit so differently back then. And they just, oh, oh, yeah. they looked so, so cool. Like, even still today, yeah. they're still just bonkers, Rad. They're yeah. just, they're just and, so good. Just and so one, good. Of, one of the, uh, like for me, like even Marvel Masterpieces. So up to that point, before the trading card sets coming out with the holograms, before Marvel Masterpieces uh, debuted, I mean, I and I only speaking for myself, but it was difficult for me to envision these characters in a three-dimensional space. You know, I'm reading on this, you know, piece of paper, this comic book. A lot of times it was colored, you know, with the, the way that they colored the images back in the day. So it was it was difficult for me to kind of picture these characters as real people until we started seeing these holograms and this depth and this shadow. And until we started seeing Marvel masterpieces where they are painted in a way where they actually look real and not flat on a piece of paper. So yes, we love holograms as well. I, I can remember the silver surfer from 35 years ago. I remember pulling that out of a pack and just, I think I ran home. I had my bike, but I think I just ran home. I had so much now? I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't even date oh. our, ourselves, but, you know, yes, unfortunately, that was probably that, that long hurts. ago. <laughs> um, was this product, was this product, um, the throwbacks, was it when y'all started planning it and talking about it, was it always going to be intended for EPAC? That's a great question, too. So I think it was more so of where do you feel this would work? How well do you feel this would work? You know, we're, we're mitigating risk. We're trying to see, you know, are we putting all of our eggs in one basket and splitting it across all the SKUs? Are we going to try to keep it a little more refined and controlled, kind of a little litmus test, little small sample size. We can see how well it does. Um, that's a great question. I'm, I'm unsure if it was originally proposed as EPAC only. Um, there were conversations between Grant and myself and others uh, a couple conversations. So uh, where we ended up was EPAC exclusive. I don't believe that was the original idea, but I think for us internally, it made sense for what it is, for the budget it has, and for the print run and components that it does have. 
Not that I want to take away any characters from your 10 chase sets. But every time I get up a deck on, I'm going to raise this little balloon. Because we had a topic on the Facebook group the other day about what would be your perfect set. And oh my goodness, go and have a read of it, guys, because there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, they've pretty much done your job for you for the next five years. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and we it is will, true. And we will be doing an episode about that. But more than once, it came up. Nine cards, find a page. Nine cards, mm. find a page. And I understand why you do the 10, because it means you're not, you've, you know, your, your sheets work in, in the 10 format. But please, 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 <laughs> please, please, please. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Your choices are nine or 18. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes, uh, when, when we do um, build these products, when we are essentially the, the architect creating how large this set should be and how large, you know, on a macro and micro level, um, there is always that soundbite of collectors want it to be divisible by nine or in groups of nine because they want to turn the page, you know, and have the entire set shown on the nine page if it's an insert or you know not have the base set end on a, a card number 100 so now you got flipped the whole page now you have one sheet with one card on there i know as a collector that kind of bugs me um but there are uh, a handful of considerations uh when we are building these products sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um a lot of times it's specifically for our vendor printing preferences um, so it isn't necessarily like, Hey guys, I know you want nine, here's 10, you know, yeah. write me a letter through the mail about it. But yeah, that's a little bit more insight about, mm. you know, and, and as a collector myself, I like the, the groups of nine. I like that. I love the old splash pages yeah, in the, in the sets in the nineties. I mean, danger room. Yeah. Oh my God. Danger every room one still rules. Oh, even absolutely. the back Spider-Man is great. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, <laughs> even, yeah. I, especially. I, yeah. <laughs> I love those all and uh we have we are considering we I should say we continue to consider that that is the collector's preference however sometimes we can't always build it to that fashion because a lot of times it might be budget related or our printing vendor specs preference related so to those vendors yeah. I say Shut up. Um... <laughs> With Marvel, Marvel beginning, Marvel beginnings, the, the latest Marvel beginnings, y'all pretty much nailed the nine card sheet on that product with the base and some of the um the insert sets, the flipped FX and the illustration boards, I think all were, you know, fit in nine card um without any overlap well, i think the overflow. original one back Agreed. in 2011 2012 did so it's kind okay. of you know it's kept to yeah. the, um but yeah no it hadn't occurred to me i mean that's a vast set and the it's thing huge. is it won't yeah. work for every set you know some sets will be uh, a more premium thing people won't keep them in binders because of the, the because of the nature of the you know, black diamond for example i'd never expect you to do that because it's not a set that will live in a binder so you know, it's not it's not not true of every single set, of course. So right, and um, and actually based on that and how it relates to this specific product, this base set was originally intended to be thirty six cards. So it was intended mm -hmm. to be divisible by nine. It was supposed to be four mm -hmm. four pages. Flip them through, boom. There's the base set. However, we do have to make pivots. Um, as I mentioned before, we we can only control what we can control. But just know that if something does get released and it's not to your nine card preference 
we aimed to make it that way, but many times we do have to make a pivot. Mm, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, it's um, I always like to drop it into conversation casually <laughs> as much as I can. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure what else to ask. Any anyone else got any questions about this set? Because I'm gonna I'm, otherwise I'm gonna start asking these guys about DJ, other stuff. I um I wanted to know you a while ago you talked about impact having a, an impact on characters. Um, yes. When we first started, what was the biggest influence on the impact that, you know, the characters, the selections, choices you made uh, for this set? That's that's a really good question. Um, for me, the big thing is I want everybody. So we all love this stuff and we continue, whether it's comic books, trading cards, action figures, movies, all of these things. We we all still put our, put our money into it. We put you know our effort into it but i want people to remember why they fell in love with this stuff to begin with i want people to remember that it's not just you're not still collecting or buying out of obligation to the hobby or um because you're a completist it's because you know you remember the first comic that you ever bought or that you you remember the first character on the top of a trading card pack that you ripped open or that first I action did. figure that you got. You remember what that character in the moment immediately did for you. I always think to myself, what is it about this stuff that I still love? Why am I still here? Reboots and character redesigns, all of these things. Peter's married. Peter's not married. Yeah. What's going on? Why do I still love this stuff? And And that's... 1989 was great for all of us because it really was a way to remember how you felt at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, whatever your age was, and what it was that kept you here. So that was the big thing I really, I really wanted to think about with this. So, um, like, let, let me, uh, who's a good example of a character? Okay, perfect. Talking about the McFarlane Spider Man period. Uh, do you remember the Taskmaster issue of Amazing Spidey? Mm. And just how yeah. rad Todd McFarlane's Taskmaster looked in there? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know a thing about who Taskmaster was. I just know he I knew that he looked cool. He's got a sword and a shield, and he's got that cool skull face. Yeah. That was all I cared about as a kid was the visual. <laughs> At first I thought so, he was Skeletor. Oh dude. <laughs> right? I, I thought he was Skeletor. I had to figure it out with the shield. Okay. Yeah. And then once you like learn, oh no, he, he, you know, he's, you know, got Daredevil's Billy Club and Hawkeye's bow and all these things, you know, and how cool that is as a kid, then it's, oh man, now I want to know more. And so the big thing for me as a kid was my comics education came from the trading cards. Um, it was always how cool did that character look on the front and what was I going to learn on the back? Mm -hmm. So a big reason why on um, the checklist, in my opinion, was so successful on this. And I'm excited that you asked this, Josh, because this is where I get to give a shout out um, is our photo team and our uh, type team here at Upper Deck. Um, one of the last times Grant was on the show, he had talked about how I've really kind of taken um, – ownership on the way we're choosing images what we're what we're using as far as the images go a lot of it just has to do with um what feels iconic and what's going to stick out what's going to kind of get seared into your mind's eye and our photo our photo team has been so good about choosing something e even if it's 
you know, a mundane issue. It doesn't have to be a key book, but if there's an image of Spider-Man or there's an image of Hawkeye that feels like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a trading card right there. I'm so happy to see them kind of moving into that and knowing what's going to work for the trading card right there. And they, they absolutely stuck the landing on this. So that was really cool. And then on the flip side with the type team, nothing had me more excited when we were going through uh, everything to make sure that uh, everything was up to snuff was not only seeing that they're writing about 1989 in the moment. They're writing about it as if right now was 1989 or 1990 and they're right they're writing these cards um i'll give the team a shout out for one of the things that i loved in particular every she hulk card is written as though it's she hulk talking to you oh. and that is <laughs> nice. the coolest thing for me because what was always fun about that she hulk book she's talking yeah. to john byrne she's talking in a rate to renee Witterstatter, and she's talking to the reader and then it's being able to flip to the back of the card and now she's talking to the reader again. Mm. I just, I, I can never talk enough about how awesome our photo team and our type teams are. They're just, they, they are a huge part of why a set like this gets to slap as hard as it does. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. That's a great point, TJ. And yes, that's, you know, a lot of times we might be the face or invited to interviews and talk about products and whatnot, but these other departments are just as involved. And a lot of this is rigorous. You know, I know TJ goes, you know, through levels of it. We are very familiar about the Jackal card showing up three times. We're very familiar with the, the Spider-Man image ending up here. We um, try our best 1000% to, to stick the landing as TJ mentioned and, TJ, back to you. you. No, real, real quick. I just want to piggyback off of what you said there, because these are things that we do listen to. But one of the things that Joe and I did when we joined Upper Deck as well was look at recent previous products, stuff that was that came out before we got here to see what we could do differently as well. And one of those things, for example, I remember somebody was upset that they pulled a PMG from a Spider-Man from Metal Universe Spider-Man and it was Mr. Sinister. And their response to that was, why am I getting Mr. Sinister in a Spider-Man product? And um, that's that's where I'm super, super, super careful about who lands in the checklist, where they get to go. There, you know, are there are about seven to ten Marvel characters that can land in any checklist anywhere. And that's great. Spider-Man has the luxury where we can put him in any product and no one will be mad to get a Spider-Man because it's Spider-Man and he's got some connection to everybody. Um, Iron Fist isn't going to land in every set as much as I love Danny Rand. Okay. Um, and at the same time, you know, it, it's Mr. Sinister's a great villain. I don't think Spider-Man when I think of him. So when we're when we're putting products together, that's the other thing we're thinking about is who serves the checklist best. It's not about filling spaces. It's about making sure that everything is properly represented. Yes, and we're trying to approach it respectfully out of respect for the collector and the client and the consumer and the purchaser. So, you know, and, and as TJ mentioned before, you know, us both growing up being collectors, you know, I learned and TJ mentioned the card back. So, you know, something that I've heard in passing in the industry the past few years on the forums is like, you know, 
not as many people pay attention to the card backs, but I would almost argue it's, you know, I learned the most I could about each character. Mm -hmm. Once the power grids, the backs of these cards had power yeah, grids, I was yeah. able to compare everybody. And, oh, you know, yeah. unless in previously, if they were in the same comic together, if he lost in he or she, they lost in the battle, you're okay. Well, they were outmatched, overpowered. But it was until these power grids on the card backs came around where I could see, oh, no, this person actually, I thought they were the best. They're, they're nowhere close because these four <laughs> characters are even better at that. So Also, every single one of us here learned cosmic Marvel characters from trading cards. I don't care what Correct. anybody says. Uh, yes. Because yeah. nobody was reading any book until the Infinity Gauntlet that had cosmic Marvel characters the way they were on the cards. Yes. If so if you're gonna tell me, oh yeah, I knew the living tribunal and the in between oh, calling sure. out on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We all learned them from the trading cards. The thing, the thing, the thing that makes me laugh about the power ratings is how much when because we, we spoke to Bob Budiansky about this on Marvel Universe nineteen ninety. <sighs> and he was basically about Sorry, I, I totally popped for that one. Oh no, he's he's a lovely he's a lovely I love dude. him. He's I can't tell guy. you how many arguments I remember getting in with my friends over the the power ratings and the scales no it should be a little bit <laughs> higher the thing. Like, yeah. i think same, i think it was a same. little bit seat of the yep. pants for them and the editor team at the time they're yeah. just kind of like what do you think oh i don't know put that on there i mean i, I don't think it was probably, probably a little bit more formal than that yeah. but i don't think it was far <laughs> off in some cases because if you notice marvel universe 1990 compare some of the characters to the version that came out in 94 for example and some of them have even lost or gained height in that uh -huh. time yeah. so uh -huh. you know there is a, there is a card somewhere where I I can't remember which one it is now. There is one card that has black cat over six foot. Oh wow! <laughs> which is crazy because Spider Man is always five foot ten, one seventy five. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, it varies, and you know, I think I think the the Aunt May one. I mean, was it pies baked or something like that? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Bob affiliation the gray panthers yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> silver surfers as they call them these days um yeah there you no go. it's it's fun and you know those, those power those power grids are, are always fun which is why it's why i like marvel the marvel annual sets that you guys do now which is why they work so well on pack walls as well um because you have that kind of you know that stat stuff going on, on the back which is which is quite yeah. a lot of fun that's also um, nice for new characters too which I, mm. I really groove on that for. Yeah, it's 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 nice to be able to kind of fit them in. I think as humans, if we can't classify or categorize something, it kind of makes us feel uneasy. So if we have a new individual, new character, whomever, we kind of want to see, okay, now based on everyone else, where do they fit in this? And Keith, that's a great point. I remember my brothers, even, we would all argue about who would win in a fight and we'd hold the, well, no, it says, you know, seven in strength. Of course, they're, you know, in fighting ability, of course they'd beat you. And it's <laughs> endless, endless arguments, 100%. I just remember ego being the strongest. Yeah. yeah, that was always ego whoever was brought up ego. It was like, oh, okay, well then. Stop. And everyone would look it's, at what the hell is an ego? Yeah, it's almost like but if you you're still... playing playing video no, games no, against Joe. someone, and and someone says, well, you can't pick the Lakers or you can't pick the best team, the Patriots, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's like yeah. whenever we had discussions about the power grids, it was like you can't bring up ego. Leave him to the side. We're yeah. gonna talk about real characters here. So I, I remember the first time I saw Galactus was on a card, and he was off the chart. Um, on string, oh, yeah. everything, and I just going back to learning about cosmic characters and on cards, but yeah, Galactus was the one that always, always stuck out to me as being like sevens across the board. Yeah, so, you know, I can tell you guys are, uh, 
you guys are definitely excited about this uh about this coming out uh i know one of these guys asked about the similarities between the other sets i want to go the other way what do you think is the biggest difference with this set than the things Thank that you. have come out Thank you. Great question. There's a lot of really great questions here today. Well, I would yeah. expect nothing less. Great group. Uh, I would say, you know, this this would probably be okay. So it, we we spike in retro designs into products here and there. Sometimes, depending on who you ask, it might be too many times. Um, I don't think we've had a dedicated entire product. Uh, or I should say an entire product dedicated to that. And it's not, we're running, we're not running around just trying to pick and choose what worked the best and what would be the best. We're trying to keep it contained with the idea, one eye on the product, one eye on the future. We don't want to use up, burn the candle at both ends, use everything great right now because that might uh, hinder us in the future. Um, so Let's be very careful, very deliberate about what we're choosing. Um, so to make this different from other products, um, we have a variety of reasons. So this could be like, you know, a product dedicated to basically one specific design, which kind of created the entire product. Uh, we have inserted other designs for the inserts in this product as well. But I don't think we have another product where the entire product is focusing on one specific design to kind of carry the core component of that product. Um, another, you know, another thing that makes it, you know, significant and different is, you know, it is EPAC only release for a core product. I know that's been done before, um, but it's not typical. Uh, another thing is we, we didn't necessarily build this. I, I wouldn't say for longevity. We hope we, we expect it to sell out, but we don't in saying that longevity, it, it shouldn't take you forever to complete this set. It shouldn't, you know, burst your bank account to be able to uh complete this set even the achievement section you know it's in many of our products we have to you know well let's build an achievable not to sound redundant an achievable achievement section that regular right. collectors can enjoy and have fun with but also you know we have to have this mega super you know component in the achievements for the whales and the people who want to drop thousands of dollars and have something i know to regular collectors that may not sound like it's it's very fair i'm a regular collector myself but the fact is not everyone can afford certain aspects of those certain achievement programs that is different here in that i would I fully believe that regular collectors can complete this achievement program. Um, these sketch cards, there's limited quantities. It's a bit of a race, um, but I'll 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 leave it as mm. as that. Um, but yes, we are excited about this kind of being its own standalone. There are components that make it different. Um, there are components that make it unique. But I think in that sense, we have something unique here. You know what I think helps as well with this too, Joe, is um, we have, you know, we have collectors who buy, you know, everything that Upper Deck does. Then there's people who only do, you know, uh, entertainment, pop culture, publishing, whatever it may be. And then people who only do sports. But if you're a dedicated sports card collector as well, the idea of us using that FLIR 89 baseball design is going to at least make you interested in trying something like this out just so that you can compare what we did on this to what had come out in 1989 and just, you know, be able to enjoy the visuals with one another. And I think uh, that's really cool because, uh, again, 
publishing, especially publishing, is such a very specific audience that there's not always a ton of crossover. So Mm -hmm. for me, I think that that's really cool. And that's a great point, TJ. I think our second or third target market, especially since the pandemic, um, is not only, you know, our, our comic book collectors, publishing collectors, but yeah, the, the secondary or tertiary target market is always the sports card collector um, because, mm-hmm. you know, we can't leave them out. They're on the site regardless for their own reasons. They're going to be there. Um, but also that, that combination, that overlap of, you know, Marvel publishing product using old sports design. So we are kind of trying to blend that together, trying mm-hmm. to create uh, a unique uh, arm of the community. Um, so hopefully not to create, but I guess to uh, bring something to that community that they can both enjoy. I told Joe when we were putting this together, and I just got to get this out here real quick, that one of the things that I thought was really exciting about working on this was knowing that there's going to be a Spider-Man card that is on the same card design as uh, Howard Johnson from the New York Mets. And for me, I love that because I love the Mets and I love Spider-Man. So getting two elements of Queens right there on the same card, you know, decades removed from two different ends of the spectrum. It's, I just think that's a lot of fun. Okay. And, and one more interjection as well. Uh, yeah, I, I know as mentioned <laughs> before, TJ mentioned, you know, the, the butt of the baseball bat, the Billy Ripken, uh, just as a joke internally, as a joke between a few people, it was <laughs> like, well, you know, nobody holds well. Okay. But wait, what about Molnir? What about the base, the handle of Thor's hammer? We're just like, you know what? Let's, let's, I was like, you know what? Let's not even bother. Awesome. Not even bother. Let's, let's keep that. That would have been awesome. Yeah. I, so. I guess that probably, there probably was some people that might have lost their jobs there at Upper Deck or something like uh, that originally. Absolutely. So that's probably. Yeah, I almost so... feel like it would have been worth it. <laughs> but it, it was discussed, so uh, it, it didn't necessarily make it further than the first or second circle, but uh, it, it was brought up as a joke. Uh, can we do this? No, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're not you, doing anything. You can't tell me someone on their lunch break in your art department didn't just <laughs> do because i would have um it's uh, that's fun because the what i what i found interesting was the what if set had that sports um Mm. parallel as well so and of course that is just as we record dropped on epac and i imagine that's where you're seeing that crossover and of course for you as a business you want to be able to cross those dreams as well because it it, you know it's great for you if they're buying more than just one stream of product so. Well, and, and these two communities have a lot more in common than they might initially think. Yeah. You know, we are both collectors. Like I'm, you know, TJ as well, we're, we're kind of called the unicorns because we have vast comic book knowledge, but we're also huge sports fans. So, you know, we mm-hmm. can carry the conversation. Um, but I think that, you know, if we can... A lot of times the, the sports, you know, collectors will stay on that side of EPAC in the community and sometimes, you know, and they'll only offer trades to whomever and whatever they're interested in. But yes, this is kind of, you know, creating that sense of community um, partnership, you know, opening these new conversations and dialogues with collectors on EPAC whom you may have never reached out to to begin with, but they're starting to collect this because they recognize the card design. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are just kind of trying to spark a little bit of that um igniting a little bit more of that cross collaboration in the community on the EPAC marketplace. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And the achievement... probably a... oh sorry, Cameron Wesley. I was gonna say there's probably some Chicago Bulls fans out there that would like to see some 
1986. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a great point, Wesley. That's a great point. You know, in the FLIR designs, I think, uh, I think 84, <laughs> I think 84 and 87 were probably very, very, very famous FLIR designs in other sports. So yes, I and absolutely agree there. Yes. What do you guys believe was the first, uh, that some of the first influences for the crossover? Because I was one of the sports guys that found his way over the Marvel cards through that path. What some of the first sets like 89, 90, 91, what, what was the, the first uh, influences for them to first start us to see them on cards finally? That's a great question too. Um, like, I think like the jambalayas and stuff like that. Is that yeah, I, well, I think, even from just the comic book uh, format, what we'd been exposed to prior, when everything kind of changed think, in 89. That's a great question, TJ. If you, I saw your hand moving. That. Okay, yeah. Hey, that's a great point. Yeah. it's the For, for me, I, I think it, because when when Jim Lee and, and, you know, Eric Larson and Mark Silvestri and Tom McFarlane, all those guys jumped from Marvel to start image that wasn't just news in in the comic book world that ended up becoming national news it was national news mm -hmm. from a pop culture standpoint and it was national news from a business standpoint because everybody knew who those guys were and if you didn't it was these guys are going to start a fledgling comic book company which let's be honest at that period um, there were a lot of comic book publishers, but still only everybody thought was Marvel and DC. And I think because there is a collectability in those guys' names, especially within Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane, you're going to get people who maybe they only collect because they're they're looking to you know they're a part of the speculator market or they want to do something like that but then you get guys who come over where it's oh well i work card shows and i sell cards and i mostly do sports but these looked really cool i remember this character or i remember this character but i've never seen them look this rad and now you're starting to see not where comics were from what you remember but now you're seeing where comics are and that once again is the power of the trading card is um for for me trading cards i still think are one of the most educational components within comics and now it wasn't just for you know, kids who are reading comics and they want to learn more about characters. Now there's the lapsed reader seeing what they're missing. Now there's that person who's never even looked through them before and they're getting a feel of, oh, this is what Spider-Man is. I remember the cartoon from 1966 and it looked dorky. And now this guy looks awesome. Or, yeah. I mean, and let's even be honest. It's, it's you know, 89, it's 90, it's 91. Then there's, you know, the way the art style changed. And that's the predominant uh, appeal to the trading card there. Yeah. So now you're getting to see, oh, that's the Mary Jane that Spider-Man is married to. Oh, that's what She-Hulk looks like. So on and so on. Rogue, Storm. And so now that's a completely different component there. And it's, I think it really was just about showing that audience that there was more to this than what they thought. And I think that in turn is the appeal to how the MCU worked for a much wider audience. Yeah. It's just showing people what we already knew and that there's a seat at the table for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well put. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, the one thing that struck out when you were talking, 
is that you had that period in the late 80s going into 89, 90, where the, the paper stock suddenly just jumped up a notch. Totally. And the colours were more vibrant. De definitely. And you really, got, you really got a lot more of the definition of mm. the uh, penciling mm. and the ink work as well. It was just, it you was know. night and day when you look at like something from 1984. To that was the line. That was the big line. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm wildly in, inter, uh, interested in the production standpoint. And from, from that year on, it was mind blowing with the holograms and it just, that, that grabbed a lot of people. I have a lot of people that I know that never had a comic book in their hand and love, love these Marvel cards. Absolutely. Yeah. Love them, but never but collected comics. That's a great point, too, because, um, yeah, I mean, 1990, 91, 92, and Impel Series 1, 2, and 3, and then we started seeing Clear Ultra and Flare coming around and Marvel Masterpieces uh, in 92 is, and some of these inserts and some of the technology used in these inserts. And so I think that, you know, a lot of uh, sports card collectors existed up to that point. They were already kind of like the EPAC example, like they're already coming into the store and then, you know, while they're standing there and waiting for their pack or whatever and this, and then be like, oh, what's that over there you know and this oh this is new and uh, let me just you know and, oh this is i'm curious and so and then they start to see some cards that maybe they've never seen anything look anything like this on the sports side and they're like oh wow so i i think way 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 back absolutely that might have been like the first um big migration however beginning of the pandemic like you know 2020 type you know when prices were just skyrocketing in the secondary market i think a lot of sports collectors started who didn't jump on you know in the early 90s late 80s might not even have been alive at that point but i think during that pandemic it kind of just opened a lot of collectors eyes of okay well we don't all have to go after these psa 10 michael jordans like there's actually a lot of money in these other products too so um i know that we we Internally, we consult with a few people uh, on a few things for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I remember one of our consultants mentioned to us, well, I began collecting during the pandemic. And I've just, you know, I've never shunned them for that because, you know, we, collectors begin and, and continue for their own reasons, stop whenever they want to. But it always offers that unique perspective, too. Um, because not everyone has to fit the bill and the mold the same way. A lot of times we make better decisions when we have a more diverse uh, group in front of us or around us. So, um, yeah, they, it is always interesting to me um, to try to dig into, you know, when did you begin? And I'm not grilling anyone or quizzing anyone. It's just for my own sake, my own peace of mind of, yes, there are a wide variety of collectors out there collecting a wide variety of products for their own wide variety of reasons. And so we're just, when, when we're approaching products, we kind of want to, how can we hit people? Uh, you know, how can not, not, not in that sense, but how can we deliver something that people are looking for? And many times in, in marketing and sales, you know, people might say that the customer or collector don't know what they want and we have to tell them what they want, not a specific upper deck side of things, but, we would like to produce things that we anticipate they would like. And then, you know, upon release, if it does well, then great. If it falls on its face, well, mm, let's, you know, go back to the drawing board and learn from our mistakes or learn as much as we can before we do the next one. So come up with a product they didn't know they needed. <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm unsure if a couple extra dollars were in the, you know, the cookie jar and we're like, let's do something fun with this. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what sparked the original uh, need 
for this product, but I do know in the original conversations, it was, what do you guys think about what if a Marvel publishing product was released on these old classic sports mm-hmm. designs? And then that kind of just, well, okay, let's continue that conversation. Let's continue and, and try to arrive somewhere that makes sense for us, but also for the collector. So that we feel we landed right there in the middle. Cool. Well, as we as we record, we're still um, just under two weeks out from that, but this should drop hopefully before the set drops on EPAC. So um, it will give people a little bit of a sense of what to expect, and I'm sure they'll all be there queuing up to buy their stuff. Um, I I've I always put people who've who work at Upper Deck through these questions the first time they come on the podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to start you with an easy one: Avengers or X Men? X Men. X Men. Yeah. <laughs> TJ, I say that as someone you're going to implode at that point. You were yeah. like, <laughs> because I love Bendis's 2004 New Avengers so much. Oh yeah. And Yellow Jacket's one of my favorite costume designs ever. But I had to go with the X Men. Good, 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 good. Um, favorite costume design for me, even though you didn't ask, but unsolicited, I'm going to tell you anyway. Carol Danvers in that noughties period, where she had the thigh high boots. Okay. Yeah, where's oh, that yeah. costume these days? The Ms. Marvel costume, the Warbird costume. <laughs> the I Ms. love that outfit. I love totally. it. Totally, seriously. It was, it was a That's really how good, I... really good story as well. Yeah. It's my first um, ever, Mar- you know, Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel, whatever it is, Captain Marvel, anything. Is that the the old like the Chris Claremont stuff, right? In mm-hmm. uh, late seventies, or are you talking about the, no uh... that 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 series in the noughties? I'd experienced yeah, okay. it a few times, but I'd never read a title. Oh, that's uh, the Brian yeah. the Brian Reed Aaron Lepresti one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Marvel forty seven, the issue where she goes out on a date with Spider Man is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It didn't wasn't Greg Land doing the covers or something? No. He yep, he was doing yep. covers and then um Sana Takeda, I think at one point was doing that's some. Right. Oh, that's, that's great. Right. That's killer run. Um and this now, is why TJ was an Eisner Award judge. Everybody. Yeah, no, no, no. Have you ever had a Have you ever had a knowledge off with Grant? Oh, oh, Grant, uh, can I can I TJ real over quick? Beer. Yes, so, go for it. Sometimes uh, TJ and I will will ambush Grant during lunch, and we'll just we'll just jump into his office and take a seat. And and some of the conversations I overhear between TJ and Grant is just it it floors me. I don't even want to interject or impose or anything. I just sit back and just like this could be a podcast, and it probably should in the future at some. Seriously, point. guys, you, you should you it's should probably do that. Him, you should probably do that. It kind of reminds me of those scenes in Oppenheimer if you haven't seen it go and see it but where the nuclear physicists are talking early on i kind of imagine it to be that level of conversation <laughs> between you guys it's impressive um, it is incredibly dirty it's, it's pretty great yeah yeah it's, it's only only certain nerds can hear that frequency uh, <laughs> yeah. have you um now you, you you might not have been there long enough for this but quite a few people at upper deck have ended up on cards have you ended up on a card yet or are you about to I think I think what you uh just to shed a little more light, I think as bystander cards on our tabletop yeah and on our legendary game. Mm-hmm. I have not I would love to in the future. TJ, do you have you are you? I have not. I would love to. I hope so. <sighs> right. Who do we need to petition to make this happen? <laughs> don't, don't do we, have to we gotta talk to now? Simon about this one, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Whoever Simon is, Simon. Simon. Make it happen. <laughs> Why are you there? I wouldn't mind being on one either. Um, so <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get kids. Um, That's right. And, and here we go. 
Now, this one, I'm really interested to hear your answer, okay? This will be the last one of these. What upper deck set do you wish you had worked on but hadn't, either current or from before your time there? TJ, please, I know I know you got your answer already. I think I do. Okay. Um... <laughs> Otherwise, I do. I do right now. Go for yours first. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I would have to say... 92 masterpieces i i would think with uh joe jusco jusco um it's just it's iconic it's if i even if i was delivering mail to the people who was working on that product if i just had a hand in that product i would i would be happy and yeah i think it's just it's amazing it opens so many doors to for so many people in the industry in comics for artists like it just it revolutionized uh and we're still we're still working off of that uh, here today. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a killer answer, Joe. Holy cow. Uh, <laughs> Follow that. Follow that, TJ. Come on. Yeah, right? I can't, I can't do that. Nobody can. Um, I, you know. Think about upper deck ones. Go for upper deck ones. I have a really, so you mentioned, we all mentioned the X-Men earlier. Um, Obviously, it was before I started here. I would have loved to have worked on Metal Universe X-Men. Um, I have a so I have a very specific visual of the X-Men and what I think of when I think of them in my head. And um, so anybody who ever like really talks to me about trading cards, um, Joe, Joe knows this. I, I talk about this a lot. I've brought it up to Grant before. I'm all about the big hits. I'm all about getting the auto card, getting the dual auto, getting the comic. I love all of that stuff. My heart is with the base set. And the reason why is that it's the only component to any card set that we put out where you are guaranteed to get everything. You can get every card in the base set. And so I love making sure that everybody looks as rad or as iconic or as killer as we possibly can because two reasons one somebody looks at that and they're immediately going to say oh if the art is this good on the base it's going to be even better on the hits Mm. but then number two whoever your favorite character is is gonna is gonna look badass you know like uh, my favorite 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 x-men is the beast and i always try to make sure that whatever whenever i do a beast card that it's always an artist that gets that character looking right. So it's, you know, I, I'm not a Kitty Beast era fan. I love Grant Morrison, but the quiet Frank quietly redesigned for the Beast does nothing for me. So I always try to make sure that I'm getting somewhere between George Perez and Jim Lee and everybody who can do that. So that's what I always think about. So Metal Universe X-Men, yeah, 100%. And Sorry, to, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, you're doing great, Teach. And to update mine, because Ian, you did ask what upper deck product, uh, and I know we didn't touch 92 masterpieces, so I would change my answer to 2015 or 16, the the year the revamped re-release of the new set with Joe Jusco. Well, funny enough, I was thinking of that set when TJ was t- talking about Beast, because that Jusco artwork for Beast on that set is just so yeah. good, top top level. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just, just stands out for me. Um, mind you, so does anything Simone Bianchi ever paints. 
Oh, creates. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just recently re- reread his Astonishing X-Men run. And just the oh. way he does Beast oh. in that. Yes. Just... Dude, even his his cover run on Wolverine when Jeff Loeb was doing it, those uh, black and white covers. Oh, so the Romulus good. stuff. Yeah, that stuff is yeah. killer. Yes. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to see what the, these flare throwbacks where where we go from here, guys. Yeah. Um, yes. So you know, I appreciate you giving us the um, giving us the early scoop on this one. It's really, really appreciated. Um, if if you could read one word from collectors when this set drops, what word would you like it to be? And I've just pulled this off the top of my head. How about wow? I think that that is the word that I'm after, at least for do anything say, that I touch. Do you say "Wow" like Owen Wilson or Christopher Walken in that regard? <laughs> no, I can I can do both, but I'll I'll save our group and wow. our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can do. I'll do the Owen. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. But if we okay. if we do things correctly, I believe the collectors should say "Wow." Um, if it if they have any memory of 1989s or that design, I hope that the one word is "Wow." Okay. Mine is childhood. It's mm, good. I want I want this to hit everybody in the childhood. What about uh, eighty nine <laughs> slang? Like, what if someone? What if they all go, go gnarly? Oh, I would I love know. gnarly tubular cowabunga. I did hear somebody say rad did... here a little while ago too. <laughs> yeah. TJ did that was rad. TJ. Yeah. There you go. TJ's yeah. the rad guy. Yeah, it, it, it thrashes the nardar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's some killer nard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> well, the, par- well, the oh, parallels have well the parallels have eighty names like rad red or. Oh, you or know, tubular turquoise. Oh, or... <laughs> Jason, I think where we can were have too you? much I of a wish. good thing there, Jason. Yeah, yeah. um, uh... Mellow yellow. Um, <laughs> we should have reached out. Yes. <laughs> well, next oh, time, guys. Man. Next time. Next time. Uh, next time. Listen, I, I, I'm really, really hope that you guys can come back again. TJ, I know you're on a lot of sets. You've been on a lot of twitches. Uh, that sounds wrong, but you've been on a lot of twitches. No. Um, and as long uh, as my wife knows. <laughs> okay um on that My note <laughs> usually oh. me that goes there but uh. never usually with other guests um and and joe um I, I i loved your moon night i'm hoping to see you on more of those twitches because because i'm i'm we're, actually tomorrow as we record we're going to open a box of uh, moon night on the podcast oh episode. exciting I would love um, I to hear you. I think Jason can pop on for that. Um, any of you other guys, feel free if you're up in the morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm jonesing to to get in there because um, um, one of our friends has already we've seen him pull a dual Oscar Isaac and May Calloway auto. Oh, love it! One on his, love on his it. Instagram the other day. So so yeah, really excited about that. Anyway, um, guys, thank you very much. Um, if if one of you can do a Christopher Walken sign off to the That's end of the episode He's then the I, I would very much appreciate it okay um wow uh, am i doing this okay so i don't know if my christopher walken is that good all right uh joe can so you wrote it down can you send it over please what I'm supposed to say because <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, as Ian mentioned, as Ian mentioned, one of you write it down because the other will forget. So yeah. here we go. I am Joe, sending Joe's it to you. Res- Joe is the responsible one. I'm just the hungry one. I sent it to you, Teach. All right. In the um, meantime, 
I did want to say right. thank you for the opportunity to everybody. This was Seriously, a great time. This was Cannot fantastic. wait for the next one. Yes. But back to TJ, please. <laughs> Enjoy collecting. Oh. Wow. <laughs> no, my, my walk is terrible. Joe's is really good. Joe's is really good. I'll, I'll, uh, maybe I'll save it for next time, but I don't want to. You can be practicing yeah. it in the mirror. There we go. In a guys, this was great. Thank you, really. No, thank, no, you no, so thank, you. thank you guys for everything. All your cool. yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share on YouTube or the podcast platform of your choice. The podcast can be found by Googling at the MCC Pod, which is also a handle on Facebook and Instagram. If you have an idea for podcast topics or want to be on the podcast, please reach out via social media or email us at the MCC Pod at gmail.com our facebook communities are mccw marvel card collectors worldwide and mmc marvel masterpieces collectors creative design and logos for the podcasting groups are by artist michael munshaw you can find him on instagram at art of m2 the great music we use is called rocket power by kevin mcleod thanks to the collectors artists and creators who support the marvel cards fan collective we'll see you next time and remember Collect your way and always, always be kind to others. Make mine marvel and enjoy collecting.